I have heard enough about Jaron Jackson Jr. not deserving to be in the NBA All-Star Game festivities this coming weekend in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you need to see why Jaron Jackson Jr. deserves to be in that game, go back and watch the tape from Grizzlies Jazz. It'll give you everything you need to know. We're going to talk about that and more on this episode of Locked on Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another installment of Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. We are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We are also available on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts as well as YouTube, we are happy to be part of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies content consumption experience. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, formerly of grizzlybearblues.com, now of SB Nation NBA, FanDuel, my Substack, written in the dark. And you'll notice I'm still solo. We talked last episode about DeMichael and his, uh, his passing of his brother. So we uh, continue to keep DeMichael in our thoughts, giving him our condolences. Uh, DeMichael will be back with us when he is ready to be back with us, and I will keep the ship sailing along while DeMichael is handling what he should be handling, time with his family. The Grizzlies, unfortunately, did not handle their business the way that they should have in their final game of the pre-All-Star slate against the Utah Jazz. It looked that way for a while. Right. If you watch the game, it, it looked OK for a little while. Uh, Memphis was up by 14 in the first quarter. That was fun. And then the Grizzlies were up, you know, 16 at halftime. More fun. So maybe not as dominant a second quarter as you would have liked to have seen. But they had a double digit lead going into the third into the second half. And then the wheels fall off. The Utah Jazz start making shots. The Grizzlies start missing theirs. Utah ekes back in and ekes back in and ekes back in. And it took some John Morant magic. It took some big time putbacks from Brandon Clark. It took a couple of costly mistakes on the hands of Utah for the Grizzlies to pull out the win. We'll talk about reasons to maybe not be concerned, but just things to keep an eye on later on in the show. And we'll also do a brief look ahead to uh, some all-star weekend festivities. Not too much, because obviously we have Friday's episode to talk a lot about that. But I do want to point out how John, Jaron, or not, involved in anything other than the game and we can talk a little bit about that uh, as a grandiose philosophy thing perhaps but speaking of jaron he deserves to be the main topic coming out of the utah jazz memphis grizzlies end of all-star stretch because of how dominant he was especially in the first quarter when his threes were falling he made four three-point shots in that first quarter he didn't make another three the rest of the game so it was definitely a heat check, hot streak kind of situation. But the way that he started that game, defensively, offensively, Jaron Jackson Jr. had five steals against the Utah Jazz. He had four blocks against the Utah Jazz. 
nine stocks, nine. Combine that with Brandon Clark, who had a strong game himself, 10 rebounds as well, four steals, three blocks. Seven blocks and nine steals across Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark. You're starting big group for this contest. We're going to talk more about Taylor Jenkins here in a little while. He's getting some heat from fans on Twitter and elsewhere. He deserves credit for playing, in my opinion, his five best players to start the basketball game. Steven Adams is fantastic. We know how important he is. Clark, Jackson Jr., Brooks, Morant, Bain. Those are my top five. Adams would be six. If you want to slide Adams in for Clark, I'm not going to argue with you. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that Adams deserves that spot. I'm just going off of what I saw defensively from the Clark and Jackson Jr. tandem in this particular game. Watch the tape. Again, Adams has shown that he's worthy of that spot. Not saying he should be a reserve. I'm saying that Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. played really freaking well together, especially defensively, and that shined through against the Jazz. But Jaron, the the unicorn status, and you've heard the whispers or you've heard the cries. Obviously, it's been rectified a little bit due to injury replacements and things like that. Why is Jaron Jackson Jr. in the All-Star game? He doesn't deserve it. It should be Anthony Davis. It should be this guy or that guy. How could the Grizzlies have two players? Grow up. Watch a basketball game that the Memphis Grizzlies play in. In fact, watch Grizzlies Jazz. Because that is why Jaron Jackson Jr. was chosen by the coaches to be an all-star reserve. He's that freaking good. He is capable of doing just about anything on the basketball court, except apparently assists. That's an area of his game that he continue can continue to grow in. But he is an elite defender. Again, no offense to Nick Claxton, no offense to Brooke Lopez. They're having tremendous seasons. They're not better than Jaron Jackson Jr. defensively. They're not. Nine stocks. Nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, five steals, four blocks, and 31 minutes of play. There's not many dudes in the NBA that can do that. The other 6'11", 240-pound guy in Milwaukee, maybe? Jaron Jackson Jr. is flirting with knocking on the door of the ballpark of Giannis. He's not as good as Giannis yet. Not saying he is. Not saying he ever will be. Giannis is the best basketball player on the planet. But Jaron has the same frame. Jaron can create havoc on defense, get the ball in transition, drive, try to hit a layup for an and one. All in one continuous possession. There's not many people at the size of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Giannis that can do that. He has grown by leaps and bounds, and he is impacting basketball games in a way that he hasn't done it before for an extended period of time. That carries tremendous weight. It's a reason why the Grizzlies were able to hold on against this Jazz team that was gutty, gritty, refused to lie down. The Utah Jazz, again, didn't have Laurie Markkinen. The Utah Jazz lost Colin Sexton four minutes into the game. So they had to improvise. They had to have other dudes eat into those minutes. And they had some success. Kelly Olenek had a heck of a game. Walker Kessler, 14 rebounds. Olenek, 14 rebounds. One of the flaws of the Clark-Jackson pairing is they're not going to be able to rebound as successfully. 
three guys had double-digit rebounds for the Jazz. Only one had double-digit rebounds for the Grizzlies. Memphis was out-rebounded against 61-46. to 46. That's where you miss Stephen, Jack, Stephen Adams. Excuse me. Stephen Adams is missed. But in terms of defensive switchability, in terms of physicality, in terms of attacking and, and making issues and passing lanes, getting out in transition, that's the biggest thing. Steve-O is not as good at that as Jackson and Clark are when they're together. And that is where the Grizzlies' offense thrives, is in transition. So, like I said, I don't want to make the New Zealand folks mad. I'm sorry. Uh, it sounds like I don't appreciate Stephen Adams. I do. I'm cool with him continuing to start. I like to see them close games when Adams is healthy with the five that started this one. And you saw Jaron Jackson Jr. near the peak of his powers, especially in that first quarter. But across the entire game, again, nine stocks. That's just insane. Five steals, four blocks. That's just a remarkable line. And you can't stop him when he is able to cultivate and create offensively. He has a frame. He has a skill set. There's only a few guys on the planet that can do what he does at his size. That's what makes him a unicorn. Porzingis can't do what Jaron does, at least not anymore. Giannis can. KD but KD is more of a true perimeter player, right? In theory, Jaron, who plays a lot like a perimeter player, I know. Jaron is a little bit more of a post guy as well. He can get into the block. Doesn't do it often, but he has the capacity to do it. So Jaron Jackson Jr. had a tremendous defensive impact on that game against the Jazz. He was red hot offensively, especially to start. If you need to see any NBA folks, anybody from uh, uh, the Utah Jazz Locked On page, or if you're just checking out this one uh, as part of your NBA consumption, if you miss the highlights, go watch them. You're going to see a lot of Jaron Jackson Jr., and he's going to show you exactly why he's an all-star. There are some things that went wrong for Memphis in this game that explain why other aspects of, of the Grizzlies aren't necessarily all-stars. We'll talk about that next year on Locked On Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here. It is officially All-Star Weekend, at least for the Memphis Grizzlies. And now it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores, three-point strain. You can look at spreads, money lines, player props, like player points and rebounds. So many more exclusive bets, like the idea of betting on two three-pointers being made in the first three minutes of a game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance of a bigger payout in a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. What went wrong? In this game, why did it become so close in the second half, especially in the third quarter where the Grizzlies usually dominate? We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host for this episode, Joe Molinax. Once again, flying solo as DeMichael uh, spends time with his family. DeMichael Cole, uh, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies uh, for the commercial appeal there in Memphis. We miss you, DeMichael. We look forward to having you back when you're ready. We talked about how dominant Jaron Jackson Jr. was. And we gave shout-outs to guys like Brandon Clark and, and others um, earlier in the show. Jaron was the star of the program against the Utah Jazz. If you missed the game, check out the highlights. It shines through 
very brightly. But there were things that went very poorly for Memphis in this game, especially in the second half. One of those things that went poorly is the continued confusing, confounding choices of Taylor Jenkins when it comes to his rotations. Now, any time Memphis blows a lead or any time there's something that goes wrong, there's, there's a contingent that says, fire Jenkins, fire Coach Jenkins. That's not me. Okay, Taylor Jenkins is one of the top 10 or so coaches in the NBA. They're, they are second to none when it comes to development. It's the fact that John Conchar is an NBA player, the fact that Desmond Bain is an all-star level player. It's the fact that you have guys like Brandon Clark that are, again, Bain and Clark were very good college basketball players, but there's a reason that they fell in those drafts that they were a part of. They fell because they were not viewed as NBA prospects. And the Grizzlies took these good college basketball players and helped them develop into good NBA players. Or in the case of Bain, very good to great. So it's not like we're looking at a situation where Jenkins has no idea what he's doing. I've been following this team for a while. I've seen coaches that I was watching games and thinking, I don't know what he's doing. I'm not going to name names. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think that with Taylor Jenkins, but I do have questions. There are things that I don't fully understand. I don't fully understand why Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. get breaks with six, five, four minutes left in the third quarter. I struggle with that. Those are your best players, two of your best players. Jaw is number one, but Jaron's two, Bain is three. You need them on the floor in the fourth quarter, especially in a game where it's close and especially in a game where you are struggling to maintain a lead. They need to be out there. Then you go back to the third quarter and you see how the rotations work, who came in, who came out, those substitution plans. And you struggle with why you have John Conjar, Xavier Tillman, guys like that getting reps in minutes and key moments when you look at the Utah Jazz's minute distribution, only eight guys played. Now the Jazz had injuries. Again, Sexton went out early. But Fatechio, Toscano Anderson, Horton Tucker, those are the three guys off the bench for the Jazz that got 24-plus minutes. Then you had Agaji with 39 minutes, 35 minutes. You've got Kessler with 33, Olenek with 37. Then you look at the Grizzlies' minutes breakdown. Brandon Clark, 31 minutes. Jaron Jackson Jr., 31 minutes. Neither of them were in foul trouble. Dylan Brooks, 32 minutes. John Morant, 34. It's a little more likely, like it. Desmond Bain, 32. The, the bigs in particular need more run. They need more run. And there has to be more understanding of the, the tension and the moment of a game when things are getting out of hand. It may not be within your typical rotation plan, but John Morant needs to go, especially in the last game before the All-Star break, especially when these guys are going to get on a plane tomorrow probably and go out to Utah and take part in the festivities. Jaron and Ja, we'll talk more about this in a moment, not really doing anything during the All-Star weekend except for the game. So Ja could have logged 36 or 37 minutes and he would have been fine. Bain could have gotten in 34 or 35 minutes. Jaron could have gotten in 34 or 35 minutes. There's there's a, a confusion on my end. These guys are young, right? And I understand not trying to 
overwhelm them, overload them in the regular season. You want them healthy and fresh for the playoffs. But again, it's the day before the break, and you see things spiraling out of control. You see the Jazz winning the third quarter by eight points. The Grizzlies are one of the best third quarter teams in the NBA. That was an out-of-character situation. And in the face of -of out-of-character situations, you have to be willing to make adjustments on the fly. And when it comes to rotations in particular, I'm not quite sure Taylor Jenkins does that. You can talk about scheme if you want and have some concerns there. I think that's fair, but that that's what Memphis does. They prioritize protecting the paint. So they're going to collapse on guys that are stru- that are driving from the top of the key, and then they make a quick little dish out to the elbow, and there's open threes. There's open threes out there. That's part of the scheme that's been installed. So you can dislike that if you want, but at least I think that scheme being executed properly. I am concerned about in those moments, and he's done it before, Taylor Jenkins has. There's been times where Jaw has played the entire fourth quarter. There's been times in desperation where the, the plan has been abandoned. It worked out this time, but it sure as heck felt in the fourth quarter as things continued to slip away and the Jazz got within a score. Maybe we should have made some some tweaks and gotten some guys a little bit more run, unless they're injured. But they, nobody was on the injury report that played in this game. So that, that was a, a confusing, confounding piece for me. Another one is the continued struggles of Tyus Jones. I wrote about this over at my Substack, written in the dark on Wednesday. Go check it out, subscribe, all those fun things. It's appreciated. Tyus Jones really struggles right now as a reserve. Tyus Jones as a reserve, and obviously these numbers are uh, not including the Jazz game that just concluded, as a reserve per basketball reference, he is shooting 40% from the field. As a starter in the nine games that Tyus started for John Morant so far this season, he's shooting almost 52% from the field. He's almost 48% from three as a starter. He's 35% from three as a reserve. He does not have the same rating. He doesn't have the same plus minus. He is just not as good as a backup point guard this season as he is as a starter. Now, the the term best backup point guard in the NBA, that has to be true not just when you're filling in and spot starts for Jaw when he's out. It has to be true when you're backing him up. And in tonight's game, Tyus Jones, 0 for 3 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. Three assists, no turnovers. He was just kind of there. And this is a guy that you extended $15 million a year. $15 million a year to be the backup to John Morant. Are you paying him to be really good in 9 to 12 games a season when Morant's not able to play? Or are you paying him to be a true 14 to 16 minute a night workhorse who can keep the game rolling and he can help lead those reserves? Sure, the reserves have had their issues this season, but look at everybody else that played in this game. Luke Kennard hit two threes. John Conchar hit two threes. Santi Aldama hit two threes. Aldama was a plus 18, best on the team in 21 minutes played. Kennard was a plus two. Tyus was a plus three, but he got a lot of that run with Santi Aldama. And again, no made shots for Tyus. He just didn't have it. And he can't play next to Ja. So if there's going to be changes in the rotation, and again, I wrote about this over at Written in the Dark. If there's going to be changes in the rotation, in my opinion, it should start with Tyus seeing a little bit less run. Give those minutes to a John Conchar or increase Bain's minute allotment. Let them play together as the one and the two. 
because it enables them to be on the floor at the same time with their elite shooting spacing combinations. You compare them with Dylan Brooks and Jared Jackson Jr. to negate any defensive concerns. And then you slide Santi Aldama as the fifth guy in that lineup. You got four dudes shooting over 38% from three and Dylan Brooks that can work in the mid-range all he wants. There's possibility there, but I think hopefully over this week that's coming up for the team to be off, I am hopeful that Taylor Jenkins will reevaluate, look at his talent that he has acquired, look at the numbers, the film, and say, we got to make some tweaks. And I think the way that he treats those second half rotations in particular when the game is on the line, how he interacts with Tyus as a reserve, we have a large enough sample size now, he's not having a good season as a reserve point guard. When do you start making sure that there are not necessarily consequences, but you're accepting that reality? He may not snap out of it. And if he doesn't, I'm not saying you don't, I'm not saying you bench him. But I am saying that you've got a guy in Luke Kennard who's an elite three-point shooter. Getting him on the floor with Bain makes a lot of sense, but it also makes sense to be concerned about that at the two and the three. I tried at the one and the two. Tyus Jones isn't giving you what he needs to give you right now. What the NBA needs to give me is John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. in all-star game Saturday night events. Not much of that happening. But it's not just those guys, right? It's also other top performers not showing up for All-Star Saturday night and other events. So are you excited about All-Star Weekend? I don't know if I am, and we'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host for this episode, Joe Mullinax, once again flying solo. I'll continue to do that heading into Friday's show. A big fan of DeMichael Cole. I miss him. I look forward to having him back soon. But he is taking care of family, as he should be right now. And I will be with you on Friday to talk more extensively about the All-Star game, give you some predictions, that sort of stuff, uh, how I see John Jaron playing out. But I just wanted to give some quick thoughts on the fact that there's nobody from the Grizzlies participating in these All-Star Saturday night events, the dunk contest, three-point shootout, all those sorts of things. And in fact, the, the, the playlist, so to speak, is a little bit weak in terms of who is actually doing things for All-Star Saturday night. It's not really that attractive of an event this time around. Uh, you, you can start with the skills challenge, the Antetokounmpo's. That's always a fun team. The three uh, on, uh, Greek freak brothers, Alex, Giannis, and Theonis, um, that, that'll be a good one. Team Jazz, who we just saw with the Grizzlies, Colin Sexton tweaked his hamstring. Hopefully he's able to participate. Clarkson and Kessler, uh, the other two for Utah. And then you've got the rookies. Paolo Benchero, Jaden Ivey, and Jabari Smith Jr. That'll be fun. I, I think that could be a potentially fun contest. Then you have the three-point shootout. Halliburton from Indiana, Hero from Miami, Heald from Indiana, so two Indiana people, uh, Kevin Herter from the Kings, Damian Lillard, Laurie Markkinen, who didn't play in this game, but you'd imagine he'll participate on Saturday, Anthony Simons, uh, who just got hurt, so they might need a replacement there, and Jason Tatum. None of those guys are currently in the top 10% in three-point shooting in the NBA. None of them. Maybe historically they've been really good from three, Damian Lillard, obviously. But th that's not really a, a indicative of the great three-point shooters in the NBA this season. It's, it's struggling for me, or it's, it's a struggle for me to understand why this is such a, a point of contention or a point of, of confusion. 
Um, Malcolm Brogdon, not involved. Luke Kennard of the Grizzlies, obviously not involved. Damian Lee of the Phoenix Suns, another guy that's been really strong from three. Not part of the process. Buddy Heald is eighth. I should correct myself. So the first guy that you have up that is actually in the three-point mix is Buddy Heald. Eighth on the list. So one guy in the top ten is part of the three-point contest. Desmond Bain was right there, you know, and I'm kind of glad that he's resting. I hope he just kind of takes like an oxygen tank with him wherever he goes and just, just catches his breath. But still, Steph Curry's hurt. I get that. But Contavious Caldwell-Pope of the Denver Nuggets shooting 45% from three. The Denver Nuggets, the best team in the Western Conference. You don't have KCP in this contest? I don't get it. I struggle with that. Uh, they, they are confusing me. Then you get to the slam dunk contest, and that's the most confusing one of them all, right? No disrespect to the people that are participating. Kenyon Martin Jr., Mac McClung, who literally was just signed to an NBA roster with the Philadelphia 76ers, Trey Murphy the third, and then Jericho Sims. There are two G-leaguers doing this. Now one with McClung signing that 76ers deal. But there's not, there's not a lot of name recognition. And you've got John Morant, who... If he ever did the dunk contest, he has said he won't. But if he ever did it, would be a tremendous, tremendous draw for the activity. Would maybe bring it back to the side of relevancy. But you look at this lineup, and there's not really a reason to be excited about All-Star Saturday night, and that's disappointing. It used to be appointment viewing. It used to be something that you had to sit down and check out every All-Star weekend, because especially of the dunk contest. But it'd be the a lot of the best guys going out there and competing. And for whatever reason, they don't do it anymore. Maybe they're afraid to lose. Maybe it's something where they're concerned about their health. They don't want to get injured doing these events and these activities. But how much better would the dunk contest be if Morant was in it? How much cooler would it be if the league's biggest rising star, at least of the moment, was in that event? How do you incentivize it? Do you increase the money? I don't know if that helps. These guys have plenty of money. Do you make it for charity and you let them pick a charity of the uh, of their you know their choosing? Do you? I don't know. It's a tough egg to crack. I don't envy Adam Silver in this way. How do you get these players to want to be in these events? Because there's not a lot of reason to be excited, especially if you're a Memphis person, right? For the first time, you have two All-Stars, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. They're not in any of that. They're not in any of that. Jaron as a three-point shooter? Oh, well, maybe you say, well, he's not shooting well enough from three, Joe. He shouldn't be a part of that. Shouldn't be a part of that contest. He's more in the conversation than you would think. Oh, Joe, Jaw's not going to dunk. He doesn't want to do that. Okay, that's fine. Give him reasons to want to do it. Financial reasons. Charitable reasons. Maybe you try to make it part of the next CBA. I don't know, but it's not a that dunk contest lineup is not a reason to be excited. And they might be really good at dunking. I know Mac McClung, you know, Virginia guy coming out of Gate City, Virginia, the, the favorite son of that area of the state. I get it. He's an athletic kid. He'll probably do some fun things. Trey Murphy is better known for being a three-point shooter than a dunker. It's it's just a, a look that is not the best when you're trying to get interest into the event. And the All-Star game itself, 
until the fourth quarter is kind of missable in its own right. Maybe you want to see in-game dunks and you want to watch LeBron go against Jaw and all those sorts of things. You want to see, you know, Jokic and uh, Embiid potentially against one another. There's storylines in terms of the big stars. But again, that's not full-blown basketball. It's like the NFL Pro Bowl, but it's not as bad because obviously in the NFL, not trying hard can result in getting hurt. So those guys are really kind of looking out for each other. In the NBA, not trying hard, you can still see some cool stuff. And the All-Star game doesn't need to have some thing on the line like the baseball All-Star game used to have. That was a nightmare, right? How crazy was it to say, all right, the American League has home field now on a game that is an exhibition in July. It matters. So it's a difficult line to walk. You want to honor the game. You want to put it on the best platform possible. You want to take advantage of the bright lights that the regular season provides. Because outside of Christmas Day, this is their biggest time. How do you manage that with players that either don't value it as much as they maybe should, or understandably are prioritizing their team's regular season exploits, or maybe they just need time off and they're trying to rest up their bodies. What is the balance there? They have to fi- figure out something. I think, you know, especially with younger players, it could be financially based. You know, Jaw's not on that max contract just yet. Uh, but even other rookies, you know, like Anthony Edwards, guys like that, you, know, that you, you could find ways to try to get interest built back up into this because it, it's, it's, it's tough. And Memphis isn't the biggest market. But again, to not have Jaron, to not have Jaw, why do you watch? Why would you check it out unless you're just a hoophead? And I know if you're listening to this podcast, if you're in Memphis or a follower of Memphis or the Grizzlies, you're probably going to watch because you're a hoops person. I'll probably watch too. But at the same time, they, there needs to be a reinvestment in this. They have to find ways to get bigger names, bigger stars to participate. Not meant to be disrespectful to anybody. Those players are working their way through the league, doing the best they can. Trey Murphy's a decent little basketball player. He's doing well for the Pelicans, especially as a three-point shooter. But you're trying to put your brand on as big of a stage as possible, and I don't think that's happening with All-Star Saturday Night right now. Thanks for making Locked On and uh, Grizzlies, excuse me, your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, the next time we're together, it'll be a Friday episode weekend. Woo-woo. Very exciting stuff. It's All-Star Weekend. I just kind of poo-pooed all over All-Star Weekend. But the game will be cool. And again, for the first time, Memphis Grizzlies having double All-Stars that are going to be in the mix, a starter and John Morant, a reserve, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it. So we'll preview that. I'll make some choices in the events that I, I just, again, kind of poo-pooed on. I, I, I just want to see them put their best foot forward in the NBA. I'm not sure they're doing that right now. But we'll talk about those events a little more extensively, make some predictions, and we'll preview what John and Jaron, what this means for Memphis. It'll be an all-star edition of Lockdown Grizzlies on Friday's show. But until then, 
Continue to rate, review, subscribe, like, comments. The comments have been tremendous. Keep those coming. It's been great to interact with people, even if you don't agree with me. Totally cool with that. We can have conversations and continue to figure things out, uh, talking back and forth through the YouTube comments. Again, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a like, give us a rating, a review. It's all good and appreciated as we continue to build Locked on Grizzlies. Until Friday's show, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate you. Have a great Thursday. Stay locked in. This is Locked on Grizzlies. Until next time.